Which part of the human body doesn't actually exist? The answer to that at the end of the show. My name's Tom Scott and this is Lateral. Our guests on the show today are like walking encyclopedias full of interesting facts about everything from reproductive cycles of houseflies to the history of paperclips. Just don't ask them where they've put their car keys. We start with a returning guest to the show, one of our regulars from Escape This Podcast, Danny Silla. Welcome back. Thank you. Alone this time. I'm alone and I'm scared. Yes, normally at this point, uh, we have Bill from the show here as well. Now, he will be appearing at some point in this recording block, but... This time we've split you up a little bit. How are you feeling about uh, about not having the back up there? Bizarrely terrified. When we do escape rooms, it's always you want to be the one who solves the puzzles. But it is nice to have that other person there so that if you're looking at something and you don't get it, you can just hand it off. So uh, I hope the other guests can be that saviour for me as well. Well, they are also going to be sort of that for each other because we have a pair of folks joining us here. We're going to start from Kids Invent Stuff, Sean Brown. Hello. Hello. Lovely to be here. Welcome to the show. This is your first time here. How are you feeling? Yeah, I'm I'm nervous. Um, I'm not entirely sure what to expect, but I'm excited. I mean, that also kind of sums up your channel there. Do you want, do you want to talk a little bit about Kids Invent Stuff? Because it's a format that I just love. So yeah, so um, me and Ruth have a YouTube channel where um, primary school kids, so kids aged 4 to 11, um, they draw their invention ideas, they send them to us, and every month we pick one of their ideas and, and bring it to life. Um, and I'm sure Ruth can tell you a little bit about um, some of the mad things we've made. Well, that's a very smooth segue that I now don't have to improvise, so thank you very much. Also joining us, the other half of Kids Invent Stuff, Ruth Amos. Hello, thank you for having me. I mean, you've just got set up there with a, a perfect uh, I know, it's almost like we do this as a job, right? It's almost like yep. we're used to just passing back and forwards. Um, but yeah, I'm the other half of Kids Invent Stuff, and we build, I mean, everything. Loads of people are like, what do you build on your channel? And I'm like, hmm... Farting staircase, popcorn firing doorbell, seven foot dinosaur that mops the floor, uh, giant furry electric dog cars. Like, <laughs> you know, if a child can dream it, Sean and I will try and build it. <laughs> How many times do you get, oh, why didn't I think of that as you find oh, these things? So sometimes we look and we're like, this, this is incredible and we have to bring it to life. We've recently just built a... Um, like a baby walker, but for adults to do business in. And I like, and so many comments are like, I need this thing. So yeah. We have a lot of fun. Well, good luck to all three of you on the show today. The questions on this show are so sideways that they play hopscotch with the rules of logic, which is how we keep you all on your toes. So good luck. Before one of you falls over, we'll skip forward to question one. This is sent in by Casimir Hudak. Thank you very much to you. In 1969, Skamania County in Washington, USA, made it illegal to hunt something. What was it, and why is that not a silly law? So one more time. In 1969, Skamania County, Washington, USA, made it illegal to hunt something. What was it, and why was that not a silly law? I mean, my first question is, why would that be a silly law? Mm. There's a little bit of a little bit of working it out in this question. Also, Scarmania County. I don't know how it's pronounced. I said Scarmania, something like that. It is just Scarmania, which just feels like the early two thousands to me. <laughs> <laughs> mm. 
Interesting. I'm so confused by the last bit. I'm I'm coming at this from the perspective of um someone someone who grew up as a with a father who was a gamekeeper and I grew up learning to shoot and things and I'm now a vegan. So this idea of like <laughs> this idea of like um hunting um is is both familiar and something that um I guess I I do quite a lot less of now than I did when I was younger. Yeah, that's fair. The reason the law might be considered silly has nothing to do with uh, veganism or the ethics of shooting animals here. Well, and we're, is... assuming, we're assuming it is animals as well. Oh, yeah. Is it alive? Is it alive? Oh, oh, now, Ooh. that is a somewhat existential question here. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure, although I doubt it. Things that are possibly alive, but also possibly not. Viruses. That would be a strange one to make it illegal Ooh. to hunt. I would have said AI, but um, AI weren't around in 1969. So, <laughs> Robots. Was it illegal to hunt robots? That would be amazing. Weirdly, you are edging a little bit closer there. Not, not even remotely close, don't get me wrong. But oh. we're not thinking about traditional game hunting here. But we're moving away from animals, which means we're getting closer. Mm, mm, it's, mm. Is it people? Oh, no, that wouldn't have worked because you were talking about people. <laughs> people definitely are. I mean. <laughs> it is true. I saw 1969 and I did think, hippies? <laughs> yeah, it's not bad. It's not bad. Astronauts. I'm trying to think of anything else associated with that. But yeah, it's <laughs> hippies and astronauts basically sums up the late 60s in, uh, in Washington. That is a bit of a clue, actually. Washington, USA. Washington. Oh, okay. What do we know about that? It's wet. So yeah, it's... Does it have anything to do with politics if it's Washington? I think it's the other Washington, right? It is the other Washington. I was going to say, my American geography is not what it should be. <laughs> so we've got Pacific Northwest, cold, wet. I, that's literally all I know about it. Mm, do okay. they have snow? Is it like snowmen? <laughs> <laughs> Again, edging ever so slightly closer. So snowmen is closer than AI and robots. Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. Abominable snowmen is definitely closer. Ooh. Is it? Is it something that happens in nature? Like, is it a natural? <laughs> like, I don't know. I'm like tumbleweed. I don't know. I'm trying to think of what you, what you might actually the moves that you could hunt. Are we talking cryptids? Yes, we are. Oh. So we're thinking like we're thinking like Bigfoot or Sasquatch or we're thinking oh, exactly Bigfoot. Absolutely right. And that's why I was hedging about animals. Well, about the existence of it. That's why I was hedging about everything you said, because, yeah, this might not exist. So, yeah, part one, Bigfoot. Absolutely right. Part two, why is making it illegal not to hunt? <gasps> because the things they think are Bigfoot are usually humans or, or like, animals. Like, you, you know, like, I saw a video, someone like, this is Bigfoot, and it was a guy in one of those ridiculous hunting jackets. Like, how many people have been killed by, by people thinking they're hunting Bigfoot? I've never thought about that. <laughs> I don't have the exact numbers on if there have been fatalities or injuries or anything like that. But yes, the real reason was to discourage people from roaming the area with guns, shooting at vaguely human-shaped things in the distance. <laughs> I mean, oh yes, that does make a lot of sense, doesn't it? <laughs> it's it really a horrifying, haunting sense, yes. They, uh, they later described the area as a Sasquatch refuge uh, and that anyone would be punished by up to a year of jail time or a $1,000 fine if they went out with the intention to hunt Bigfoot. 
I mean, that's what would, you know, if they knew about Bigfoot and they knew it lived in the area, that's what they would be doing to protect Bigfoot, right? Oh, absolutely. That's a tourist attraction right there. Yeah, yeah. And Sean, how many times did potentially hunting cryptids come up in your childhood? It didn't actually, no. Oxfordshire is um, is notoriously low on the ground when it comes to Sasquatches. What is, is that the plural of sa- Sasquatch? Sa- Sasquy? Sk- Sasquai. I mean, there were the, ob- the obvious Bigfoot, uh, Bigfoot, big cat sightings, um, which... Um, yeah, which there are lots, um, and a, and a yeah, family the UK's friend. It's got a lot of of big feline cryptids, hasn't it? The Beast of Bodmin and loads of which I assume are just big domestic cats. So there is, um, yeah. So a, a family friend used to got get um, who was a marksman used to get called on by Defra to go and um, silently dispatch various large um, felines that would occur in rural parts of Wales. Um, so there are, so there are certainly there certainly have been some. Um, some actual big cats that were, I think, kept as pets and private collections and then released. Um, that feels like a Tom oh. Scott video, to be honest. I thought I all those were fictional. No, I think I, some I... of these are true. Wow. I mean, rich okay. people with their big houses and they're like 10 tigers and then they die or a tiger gets out and there we go. Panthers, wasn't it? I think panthers might have been the, the main thing. Yes. In 1969, Skamania County in Washington banned the hunting of Bigfoot to help save lives. Each of our guests has brought along a question of their own, and today we're going to start with Sean. Whenever you're ready, give us your question. Okay, thank you. So this um, listener question was sent in by Richard Stamp. Um, And the question is, in 1852, a relaunch party featuring sword swallowers, fire eaters and singers was thrown to promote a new shopping arcade. You could even buy trinkets that celebrated your courage by visiting. What made shopping there a test of the nerve? So in 1852, a relaunch party featuring sword swallowers, fire eaters and singers was thrown to promote a new shopping arcade. You could even buy trinkets that celebrated your courage by visiting. But what made shopping there a test of nerve? For some reason, my brain is stuck on Meadow Hall. Which is the, which is the big old shopping centre? <laughs> very near me. It's very near me. Meadowhall. It's horrific. <laughs> oh yeah, it's the it's the first like big out of town shopping mall that opened in the north of England. And it opened like in the nineties when I was a kid, and like oh, a new shopping arcade opened. And for some reason, my brain went Meadowhall because it's because it's the kind of place where you need, it feels like courage to go in there. Well, at some do you know there's a weird thing? So. Again, I don't know if this is folklore. I feel like this is based on something, but they weren't sure if Meadowhall would take off. So they built it as a multi-purpose venue. So if it failed, it was going to be a prison. So as you walk around those little like corridors and you see the shops either side, you just think, now now I know that. I'm like, oh yeah, it does have very prison qualities. Obviously, as, as a shopping centre, it's done well. So it never turned into a prison, but it was built with the idea that if it didn't take off, it could be a prison. I don't know. Like, let's be clear. I'm not going to fact check that. That's a good enough story that whether that's <laughs> oh, true yeah. or false, that's going in the show no matter what. It it, it might be entirely slanderous to Meadowhall. Well, I, you know, it's like urban myth. And I, it's one yeah. of those things where I feel like someone credible told me it. So I'm like, you're credible. <laughs> I'm taking this in. But even if it's not, anyone that's been to Meadowhall can imagine it as a prison, right? I, I had a really weird moment. I was in Germany a few years back and I just needed to stop by the shop and mall to buy, I think it was some hardware for a thing. Uh, I walk in, I'm like, this feels familiar. I've, been, I've not been in this region before, not I've been anything like this. And I keep walking, I turn, and there is the Oasis. 
which is the the food and you know it's it's the food court bit which was called the oasis in Meadowhall. and my brain suddenly does this sideways clunk and i realize that this is to the same plan it's the same guy <laughs> who said it up i looked it up afterwards it's like this is weird i'm in a different country but i've been here before and it still feels i mean it didn't feel like a prison but now i think back yeah, that, that abs- so I got distracted with like going to a shopping mall in my childhood and being just overwhelmed with people there. Yeah, so if not the prison mall situation being what's hazardous here, like what else? I noticed that we didn't get given a location in this question, so I'm now <laughs> yeah, just trying got- to think what are the worst <laughs> places on earth that this could we be? We got given 1852. <laughs> All right, what terrible things were going on in 1852? I like the fact that it's um, you know, the important fact in it is it's, it's a relaunch party. I mean, that yeah, seems like. Yeah, I noticed yeah. that too. It's, um, I mean, I'm, I'm saying that in a general oh. sense. So hold on. Was it something that had burned down or been attacked by plague or something like that in the years before? Okay, so I can tell you um, that it is in the London area. Uh, the most hazard spot of them all. A uh, notorious hazard <laughs> spot, hazard? London. Yeah. Yeah, still is to this day. So they, people got something for being courageous. Is that what it said? So you could buy trinkets that celebrated your courage um, for visiting. Okay, so having just had COVID, not COVID, but like the COVID era, and it's continuing this, but do you know what I mean? Like the first few things that reopened, is it something like that? Was there some like horrific thing and the aim is to get people back out and be like, well done, you risked the plague to buy some sausages. <laughs> oh, that's why you were saying plague. I wondered why that was in your head. I think the plague was earlier. I think plague okay. and fire were both 17th century. This is a, a couple of centuries later. Um, is it anything to do with the frost fair? Because there used to be the, the Thames used to have frost fairs, which is when the Thames froze over, um, then they would have like places to go on the ice. There would be uh, like people would go skating. There would be people selling stuff. There were little pop up tents and, and venues and things on the ice. But about that time, it was starting to melt sometimes. Like, it wasn't safe to go out there. So, like, was this one really cold winter? And, like, come on out. It's, it's safe on the ice now. You absolutely won't fall through. And they only lost four people. <laughs> so, um, so it's not that. But thinking in ah. terms of sort of um, in terms of kind of physics and the sort of structure of things is, um, is a useful, yeah, a useful way to be, to be going. I'm glad it wasn't that because didn't the question mention that they had a lot of fire going on during these celebrations? <laughs> Good point. Well made. Never mind. <laughs> fire, fire and sword, sword, so- sword. So- it's really hard to say. Sword swallowers. Sword swallowing. The sword trick is swallowing. you can only say it properly if you have a sword in your mouth. <laughs> Little known fact. Okay, so some other structurally unsound thing. What are the most horribly built places in London? When were the bridges built? I mean, I'm saying bridges, but were there any? I'm looking Ooh. at Tom as the fountain of all knowledge. Bridges in London. When were they built? Go, 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 go. I'm not Jay Foreman. I have it on good authority. London Bridge fell down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Is it? It could be the old London Bridge because that was just, it, it was this massive structure that just gained more and more and more things on it. It, it became a road that was over the river. And like, the re- one of the reasons the frost fairs happened is because that bridge was so big in terms of foundation that it slowed the entire Thames up until that point. But I, I still think that was centuries earlier than that. I feel like 1852 is too late for anything like that. Okay, so it's not, it's not a bridge, but it does concern a new piece of engineering. 
Oh, I should know this. I've spent 10, 12 <laughs> years in London. 1852, and it's not new engineering. It's not Tower Bridge then, because that was about when, when was the tube? Or like underground oh. stuff? Ooh, interesting. It, could it be one of the Brunel tunnels or something? Was it the first tunnel under the Thames? Because I know that was, oh, that was tiny. It can't be that. Or was it something crazy like having your picture taken? Because people back then thought, I'm trying to think like when I, I time, not my thing. Uh, Jeremy, I'm like, is there a new tech that people could try at this event? And then... Escalators? Escalators. <gasps> there was there was the shopping... Oh, that's too early. 1852 is too early for escalators, isn't it? I just remember there being, there, there being a guy hired who had one leg and his job was to go up and down the escalators... <laughs> for the entire first few days just to prove that it was a thing that it was safe to go on. But I don't think they opened the escalators with, like, sword swallowing and, and music. Like, that's not, a, that's not a shopping arcade. An escalator did once eat my shoe. Yeah, sorry. How does that make sense? You have an escalator person saying, trust me, it's perfectly safe. Don't look at the fact that I'm missing a leg. That's got nothing to do with it. <laughs> the escalator didn't eat the leg. <laughs> did you say an escalator once ate your shoe there, Ruth? Yes, yes, at the Atlanta Convention Centre... I was there for an event called Intel ISF, which is like, uh, think of like Mr. and Miss, what's the male version of that? Like Miss and Mr. World, uh, but for geeks. And I had these like little shoes on and it got caught in the escalator and dragged in and it like crushed my foot. And when they opened the escalator, there were lots of shoes in there. So I was not <laughs> the first person this happened to. The shoe uh. graveyard. You've just affirmed a lot of people's childhood fears. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I didn't want to interrupt because everyone was getting very excited, but Tom did mention one of the things um, that is the correct answer. So we were talking about Meta a relaunch. It's Meadow Hall. <laughs> it's, not the, it's not the 1852 relaunch of Meadow Hall, I'm afraid, Tom. <laughs> oh, God. I can't remember what I was rambling about. Tunnels. Tunnels and escalators. Yep. Okay. Tunnels. It's it, It's got to be the first tunnel under the Thames or something like that. Yep. You've hit the nail on the head. So, really? um it was the relaunch of the 1843 Thames Tunnel as a shopping centre or a shopping arcade. Oh, I was going to say what happened the first time they launched it, that they had to relaunch it, but they were like adding features, <laughs> right? Yeah, so it was this pedestrian tunnel connecting Wapping to, is it Rotherhive? I think that's Rotherhive is the way to pronounce it. Um, I and love it was... we're getting Sean the least like fan of London to pronounce all the London names. <laughs> <laughs> Matt Gray, who's a, a friend of ours, consistently pronounces it Rotherhither. That's better. Which <laughs> has just stuck in my head forever. That is better. Come Rotherhither. It works. Yeah, be warned. I've never heard of a lot of these places, so I'm learning this from you people. <laughs> so the um, so the first tunnel, um, Thames Tunnel, it was seen as a bit of a flop, um, and it was sort of it became known for crime and prostitution. Um, so not the you know I guess the the kind of vibe they were initially going for, um, <laughs> and um, so they relaunched it as a tourist destination, the world's first underground shopping arcade. I've actually walked through that tunnel. Um, I think it was twenty. 13, 14, something like that, it was being refurbished uh, for railway works. And so there was just this brief period of like two weeks where they led tours through it. And I am exactly the sort of nerd that would go for that. I didn't know it had ever been a shopping mall. I thought it was always just a, a tunnel tunnel. Did it remind you of Meadow Hall? <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't want to stay too long there. So yes. <laughs> 
so yeah, and like some of the trinkets that they had, they sold there were um, pin cushions and snuff boxes, um, and they were specifically sort of marketed as trophies to show off your bravery for basically um, being a Victorian person who'd travelled underneath a river. Um, that seemingly, um, yeah, that was sort of a thing that was seen as a, a dangerous or a um, an unusual thing to do. I mean, that's totally fair. I still feel a little bit odd every time I drive under Sydney Harbour in the tunnel there. You just see little drips of water and wonder, should I be concerned about that? So the relaunch party was indeed um, for the 1843 Thames Tunnel, a pedestrian tunnel under the Thames. Next question's from me then. Good luck, folks. Legend is a 2015 film about the Cray twins, some notorious London gangsters. After a poor review by the Guardian newspaper, why were two stars prominently displayed at the top centre of the film's poster? Give that one more time. Legend is a 2015 film about the Cray twins, some notorious London gangsters. After a poor review by the Guardian newspaper, why were two stars prominently displayed in the top centre of the film's poster? All right, who's going to out themselves as not being much of a movie person? Because, yeah, I, I, I have fragments of knowledge about this, but I haven't seen it. You don't need to see it for this. And frankly, it's, it, it's a violent and eh, it's an okay film. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say you have to. You definitely do not have to watch it for this question. I, I'm pretty sure that when it happened, when that movie came out and I saw little bits of buzz about it, all that made me do was go... Man, a lot of people are talking about these craze. I guess I should look up who they are. That sounds like good trivia. And I can't remember any of that either. So I have seen this movie. Um, and I, one of the standout things was that, that it, it it features um, a, a double Tom Hardy mm. um, in him playing um, him playing both uh, both brothers. Um, and um, I do remember reading an article about it where people were... Um, were like discussing whether it was it should be the dumb thing or not to cast an actor as both twins or whether it would be um it would be like more um equitable to to hire existing identical twins to play identical twin roles honest Um, like they've never even seen the freaky friday with Lindsay lohan it was exactly it. Like no, Freaky all... Friday. That's not what I mean. Parent you know, the... trap. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you. Everyone jumped in to correct you on that because apparently Ugh. our knowledge of of like Disney remakes is way way better than it is for like yeah. violent gangster films. I blame like being stuck at home with Disney Plus for that. I just relived all my childhood films. I don't remember Legend being on Disney Plus. <laughs> <laughs> if it Probably is, I'll best. be very surprised. <laughs> but it does feel like the fact that one man played both leading roles does feel like something that could have caused someone confusion that led to something funny in the review. They are very distinctly different characters. He does a good job of like portraying the two characters like very differently. Um, so you, and one wears glasses, I think, which probably helps matters. <laughs> which is it saying, oh man, one of them is such a better actor than the other. <laughs> so the only reason I, ever, I went, actually went and watched Legend and I did, I sought it out because I have a hairdresser slash barber who um, is completely obsessed with Tom Hardy and to the point that she opened a hair salon and um, she had pictures of Tom Hardy on the wall in, with different haircuts um, and people would come in and point at them and go, I want that Tom Hardy hair. Um, and she raved about just how amazing this, this film was. And she's like, you have to see it. It's like, it's, it's like an incredible film. And I, went, I sought out to go and watch it. And, and similar to you, Tom, I just kind of thought it was a bit meh. 
Did those pictures include Tom Hardy in Star Trek Nemesis, where he's playing a young Patrick Stewart and has his head completely shaved bald? They didn't, um, but I wish they had done. Um, and then, and she um, moved premises not that long ago, and I, I um, promptly commented on where the Tom Hardy pictures were, which were one of one of the key selling points. I'm going to drag us back yep. to to the question here. Um, it unfortunately does not have anything to do with Tom Hardy. Uh, what? And when I say stars, I mean literal star ratings. It's not there were two stars on the poster. Uh, um, both played by the same person. Literally, is it to they, do with like how how violent it is? Do I remember? I've, I have seen this film, but it was. But I just remember the Cray the Cray twins were pretty, like yeah, pretty horrific, right? It's it's gruesome. But in this case, no. They they put the two stars from the two star review front and center in that poster. Oh, so it was just the stars themselves made a good feature on the poster. There were other reviews on the poster too. There were four and five star reviews all over it. But it was just the stars. It wasn't what they said next to the stars. Nope. Just star rating, place, star rating, place, star rating, place. Loads of fives and fours. And then this one two star rating right in the middle. Now, what were the Cray, what were the Cray twins famous for? What was their big thing? Just to make sure I don't say anything ridiculous. Um, I mean, crime. <laughs> Let's just sum it up as crime. Just a lot, a lot of crime. I wondered if there was one big crime. Okay, two stars from the London Police Department. <laughs> no, they did They did credit The Guardian for its review here. <laughs> I thought maybe they just didn't enjoy the reminder of the bad days. But you're also right that there being two stars of the movie is kind of relevant here as well. Is it to do with the fact that Tom Hardy played both characters, or are we ignoring that? No, you could, uh, you could do this with any two actors. Could you have, like, one star above both of their heads? <laughs> Close. Not quite. I was trying to picture the like, sheriffy badges or something. They might have stars. What else could have stars? Does each Tom Hardy character get naked? <laughs> Not on this poster. <gasps> okay, I was going to say because he's nobody. I wonder if the stars like kept him modest or something. That's exciting. <laughs> yeah, Danny's you're... like, sign me up. I'll watch that again. <laughs> <laughs> you're close in that it's definitely um, an interaction between the the photos there and the star ratings. Hmm. I just want you to, to imagine like a wall of stars on here. You've got five stars, five stars, four stars, four stars, four stars, all the way down this poster. And then right in the middle, there's a two-star one. Does it spell something? Is that like a gunshot? Like, a, like some kind of wound? Have they hit, punched it or shot it or something? They were very carefully placed. Is it like around two people's heads? So they've got their heads and it's five, five, four, four, two, four, four, five, five. I, I think I'm going to give it to you, Ruth. I think you're you're close enough that I'm going to give it to you. Please. There's five stars and four stars, and then there's these two stars, and you're right, Ruth, the heads are right next to them, implying that they are covering up a four or five star review. Uh, they have oh. just put the two stars right in the middle next to their heads with a four star above and a four star below where their necks give a bit more room, and they have just covered up what what you would assume would be two other stars that aren't actually there with their heads. Clever. Nice. That's ridiculous. We were so sure that it was going to be the stars and manipulating the picture somehow, but not the other way around. Yeah, it was like an artistic choice or something. Oh, that's crafty. <laughs> yeah, we were all up on stars covering up someone's nipples, but... <laughs> <laughs> but not stars covering up stars. Uh, yeah, the Guardian review writer has said, I might still dislike Legend, but I like its marketing team. If only they could have written the script. 
<laughs> Savage. Our next question comes from Ruth. Whenever you're ready. Okay, so this is a listener question, and it's been sent in by Dave from Ohio. Ohio? Ohio. In 1985, 101 people accepted an invitation from Michael Detznor of flagship international sports TV to attend the sold-out Redskins v Bengals football game. Those 101 people soon found out, to their dismay, that they all had something in common. What was it? I'm going to read it again. In 1985... 101 people accepted an invitation from Michael Detznor, flagship international sports TV, to attend the sold-out Redskins v Bengals football game. Those 101 people soon found out, to their dismay, that they all had something in common. What was it? So I was trying to... I think. I think all of us were trying to write down that question, which is is new. Like every, oh yeah, everyone was taking notes there, and I tried to I tried to abbreviate flagship international sports TV, and what I got was fist, which is probably <laughs> not what they were going for, and not relevant to the question. I just wrote that down. I, 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 it is it is relevant actually. What? Oh. Well, wow. I do guarantee you, it is likely that all hundred and one people did indeed have fists. Yeah, yeah. I'm really glad that I got given this question because as soon as I read it, I was like, I know what that is. <laughs> so I was like, ooh, yeah. So I think I think I might have some sense of what this is. I'm glad Please. someone does. Possibly. I th- um, I'm not sure specifically if I... So I've heard about the. I think I've heard about this phenomenon before in the context of um, the Super Bowl. Um, I, Ruth, is it police entrapment, basically, we're talking about here? Is it? Were the, are these people uh, want, are these people wanted criminals? Yes, I have yes, heard so that story. Were, yes, yes, I know. As soon as I saw it, I, I, I blame TikTok. But as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh, I've <laughs> seen this because I mean, writing the things down is good because flagship international sports TV is a fake organization and it was set up by the fugitive investigate investigative <laughs> strike team. I mean, the clues are everywhere, right? They... Oh, someone's someone's gonna have been really clever. Like it's it's a clever little trick, sure, but like someone's really proud of that. Oh yeah, Michael Dednor doesn't exist, and his last name is Wanted backwards. I mean, oh. I feel like anyone that looked at this was like, what? So some of the police officers, they even dressed up as mascots. Like people took this very seriously. They oh. they dressed up as mascots, redskin fans, cheerleaders, and they even like to motion. Um, the guests, the guests, the the special. So I think at first they sent letters out to three thousand people, um, and a hundred and one turned up to the game. And the Sting, called Operation Flagship, remains one of the most successful mass arrests of wanted criminals in history. How did they get the invitations to them? Did they? They literally what? wrote to them. They wrote to them. Yeah, but that means they, they know their address. They know where you are. <laughs> they sent a letter. They sent a letter. But why wouldn't they go to them? Why wouldn't they just go to because the Because that takes, I think, no, resources, you know, going to 101 different people. Well, they sent them to 3,000 people. Could you imagine if all 3,000 of them turned up? That would have been impressive. That's 101 true, is impressive. It's only 2,899 houses to go to now. Exactly. Yeah. 
Also, presumably they're sending to like last known address, so it might be forwarded on, or it might be the house of a relative or something like that, and they'd have, they'd have passed on. Oh, you got a free ticket to the game, and so if you've ever done anything bad and someone invites you somewhere, think, am I going to get arrested? <laughs> Didn't this happen with like cable TV or something as well? Like they sent out an offer for a. F- I can't remember the details. My producer's going to prompt me in a minute, no doubt. But there's def- this has definitely been used a few times. For yeah, thank you. That free cable TV for a free t- T-shirt offer. So they'd write back with their details to claim the T-shirt and would then get arrested instead. That's... Should have uh... known this happened a lot of times because it made it onto The Simpsons as an, one of the opening gags. Wait, really? <sighs> Oh, yeah. Uh, the police in Springfield send out a thing to all the criminals that they know saying they've won a free motorboat at the police ra- <laughs> raffle or something about that. So that was how the police caught 101 criminals by inviting them to a football game. Our next question was sent in by Sander Famille. Thank you very much. In 1990, a range of playing cards were released that contained an errant scribble through the letters T-E-R on the back design. Despite that, the squiggle and an out-of-date blue logo remain unchanged to this day. Why? So one more time, in 1990, a range of playing cards were released that contained an errant scribble through the letters T-E-R on the back design. Despite that, the squiggle and an out-of-date blue logo remain unchanged to this day. Why? T-E-R. Is, is it a signature of some sort? A squirrel? A squir- squirrel? It's not a squirrel. It's a squirrel. <laughs> That'd be very different. <laughs> Yeah, they left it on there. It must have still been in some sort of acceptable form that they went, "Eh, yeah, we can say that it's a signature. Why not? Or something along those lines. Are the letters important? There is a certain subset of our audience who will be absolutely screaming the answer right now. But it's a very, very small subset. (laughs) We should really play this out a little bit just so that they get even more annoyed. And Tom, I'm pretty sure you have said that at least once in every episode that I have been on here. It is haunting me now. Oh, I can't have a catchphrase. Damn it. (laughs) Okay, so there's got to be some word, some company name, something or other that did have the letters T-E-R at the end and for some reason doesn't anymore or shouldn't have and somehow they still got printed like this anyway do we need to know playing card companies that would mean nothing to me except for nintendo back in the day i think you'll have heard of this one oh dear what's the famous one that does all the cards it's not it's not top trumps is it is that is that is that it's not but you have moved away from like a deck of 52 cards here Hmm, interesting. Often pondered about um, the name Top Trumps in the context of Donald Trump and whether their sales have gone down. But that's, a, that's, a, that's even more of a detour. Um, and, and that T-E-R, we're, we're assuming it's at the end of another word, not just, on its, not, just on its, not just on its own. Oh, good point. I really did. No, you are right there. It's at the end of another word. Okay, that's a good assumption. What are some words that end with T-E-R that could be relevant here, especially company? Oh, you're not going to get the word. You are 100% not going to get the word. (laughs) Interesting. Should we be focusing on this blue logo, perhaps, that hasn't existed since I was born, I wonder? I think the best way to attack this question is to figure out why they would have never changed that in any reprints or later versions. So now I'm just writing the letters T-E-R over and over again and crossing them out in different (laughs) ways to see if it looks like anything. 
And could it be that there's not change it because they were like highly collectible or because they were, um, that, that was like, they're like stamps where they like miss, they like get misprinted and they become more valuable or more sought after because of the, the error? Or has it become like an iconic thing? You're definitely in the right areas there, Sean. Did it become mm. more I- iconic and desired by a certain subset of people? Or was it just a novelty for everyone? It was a misprint. But it was a misprint they then have had to do every single time they printed cards since. Oh. So you can buy cards like it now? You can buy a lot of cards like this now. That's curious. We obviously all don't do enough gambling. I feel like we'd have got this much quicker if we were, like, down the casino. So, um, could it be some kind of collector's card rather than a card... Oh, you did say it was a game, though, didn't you? Rather than a... um, So they're not going to be, like, baseball cards. Or you can play baseball cards, can't you? Uh, you're getting closer there with with collectible things there, Sean. These are very collectible. Pokemon, Pokemon cards. cards. <laughs> <laughs> Digimon. You're now getting very close, but this is yeah. What, what was the pre- yeah? What predated Pokemon cards by a few years? All I can remember is that game where you had the circles. What were they called? And you like Pogs. Do you remember Pogs? <laughs> I don't Americans don't know about Pogs, do they? That was a thing. Yeah, they do. That's an American oh, they? thing. They they don't Is know it? about Tazos. They... Oh, that's right. It's Tazos. Tazos. Right. Yeah, yeah, because they were the ones that fit together, weren't they? I have a gap in my knowledge between baseball cards and Pokemon cards, and I feel like that's about a fifty-year gap for a lot of people. Like, I don't know how long baseball guard- cards actually stayed in fashion. Okay, here's here's the bad news. The answer to this question is exactly in that knowledge gap. You Fabulous. Have, you have managed to root entirely around the answer to this one. Um, yeah, we're looking for something very much like Pokemon cards that's still being made today. Still be... I was going to say, in 1990, I was, like, not collecting anything. I was, like, barely feeding myself. So... Oh, goodness, what else is there? How old is Magic the Gathering? And, well, as it happens, uh, about 33 years, Danny. Interesting, interesting. <laughs> now, hold on. If I'm turning 33 this year, let me count backwards. This could be good news. What could a... W- all right. We've got Magic the Gathering. This feels like a strong step. Yes, I'm it is. I'm writing Magic the Gathering down. <laughs> Blue Squiggle T-E-R? What is this, though? Oh, no, you're right. I'll bet Bill can hear this in the other room and is very mad at me. <laughs> but so, there is no T-E-R in a, in a line in Man- Magic the Gathering. You sure about that? Oh, no, it's, it's gathering, TH. So, they misprinted the very first Magic the Gathering cards. Why haven't they changed that since? Oh, would it be some kind of like, um, uh, like trademark issue? Was it supposed to be called something else? So I'll tell you the ten-letter word, which was Deckmaster, which was the name that Wizards of the Coast, who are the company <gasps> that make Magic the Gathering, applied to all their games back then. Now, they don't make most of those anymore, but all of them had that on the back. It's completely out of date. It's not been used. But why are they still putting it on the back of every card? And why does it still have that misprint going through it? Well, now it just seems like a Christmas celebration. It says Deckmas. <laughs> it's not much. It's just a little squiggle. It's not, it's not a big misprint, just a little squiggle. Oh, if they go, if they if they have new ones, then you'll know they're newer or older cards. So you can't. They all have to look the same because if not, it ruins the game. Yep, every oh, single Magic the, the Gathering back. card for thirty three years has had to have the exact same back on it. 
Absolutely right, Ruth. It doesn't matter that they've updated the logo for the game. In all the publicity, on all the box art, everything like that, they've updated the whole logo, but the backs still have to look like they did in 1990 with that misprinted squiggle on them. Yeah, frustrating for them, I assume. I know, I'm literally, oh. And they'll have, you know there'll have been a meeting about whether they should change it and just at what point do you think, you know, no, no one will notice. We've only sold a few thousand of these. <laughs> so we go to Danny for the next question in the show. Take it away. All right, this one was also sent in by a very big fan of the show. Dare I say one of the biggest fans of the show that there could have been. Because after so many episodes, I finally tried to write one. Hey! Let's see how it goes. Fingers crossed (laughs) for all of us. This is either going to be really, really good or really, really bad. How much should I have just come up with a pseudonym for this? Let's find out. (laughs) And now, this one's been sent in by Sani Diller. (laughs) (laughs) All right. In 1940, the British government's Ministry of Supply introduced a compulsory public initiative that drew a counter-protest from the British Records Association. What was the issue? And one more time for you. In 1940, the British government's Ministry of Supply introduced a compulsory public initiative that drew a counter-protest from the British Records Association. What was the issue? So 1940, that's in the... War, right? Second World War, yeah. So is it something to do with um, some sort of records of something where they think if the other side gets hold of them, we're giving over our state secrets? What was it? The the British Recordings Association? British? Uh, The British Records Association did the counter-protest against the Ministry of Supply. Is the British Records Association, is that what's now like the National Archives? Oh, I was thinking like mm. recordings as in the music industry, but this is Oh, I was thinking records as in like census records and like stuff that would now be in the National Archives. Mm. I'm looking at Danny. I'm looking at Danny for hints. That is a question. <laughs> One of you is indeed correct. Okay. Oh, great. <laughs> it's either music or records of people. It's got to be music because if it was National Archives, everything then was... In government. Like they could basically get away with whatever they wanted to internally. They would have just sent an edict over and, and archived. Everything was being locked up safely for like being unboxed in 50 years time. Because I've, I've, I've done research in the National Archives before and each folder will have like lots of stamps on it saying when it can be opened, when it can be eventually released. They and have I a really like... cool room in there as well for that you can do for digital records like that. Like it's a, it's yeah. a very, like the whole thing, very, very cool. But I feel like there wouldn't have been a public protest from another branch of the government. There would have just been a lot of angry memos sent back and forth between civil servants <laughs> on on really thin tracing paper, typewritten by some hardworking secretary somewhere. Um, I've spent a lot of time in the National Archives looking at things like that. And, like, they archived everything. Like, if you sent a memo from one department to another, you didn't throw it away afterwards. It went and it was filed and it was in a box. Presumably they're doing the same with emails these days, but... Also, probably not. I don't think they do that anymore. They gave up on that, right, Tom? Oh, I hope not. I really hope not. My parents run a small business that is all about digital record management, so they go to big companies and government workplaces to get them to do these things properly. I assure you, they might be meant to. They don't always. <laughs> and I guess we haven't actually established whether which, which records it was, have we yet, either? <laughs> we got close. Okay, it's, it's music records, right? It's like vinyl records. 
It is nothing to do with music and that sort of recording. It is closer to archiving. Wow, okay. Well, that throws out my first guess, which was going to be they wanted to melt down the vinyl for reuse in war supply or something like that. Okay. Did they want to do a census? Uh, No, it wasn't a census. Tom, I wouldn't completely discount that sort of general drain circling there. That's pretty... Warmer than you think. Instantly, uh, general drain circling worked in the Ministry of Supply. Um, (laughs) Is this to do with, like, paper? It is to do with paper. Ooh. Ooh. So what might the Ministry of Supply, they had this compulsory public initiative that was the issue here. Did they want to hand out books or or notebooks or something something else made of paper, trying to think? Toilet roll. (laughs) It would have been a shortage of something needed for yeah toilet roll. Not specifically toilet roll. I won't say that they were necess- mm. that that was necessarily not included in this, but not specifically that. That was not the problem. Was it to schools? Not specifically, no. So what are they redirecting? Are they? Oh, this is this is tickling the back of my brain. There's something about having things redirected for government use, or or maybe moving, requisitioning all the paper in the country or something like that. And I can't remember the story. It's something, the government wanted a load of paper for something and I can't remember what it was. You are absolutely right about what the initiative is. What could they have wanted the paper for? And Sean, you're right, definitely a war thing. This has got to be running parallel. It's got to be running parallel to when they, um, they had the scheme where people could like have their pets murdered for the war effort which is a separate thing <laughs> what oh is, well which, i'm glad it. it's not that because that was dark <laughs> yeah it's really dark and i hate mentioning it but yeah that was that was a thing that happened uh it's not not a nice piece of britain's history that um oh yeah i didn't know that one uh, one for another episode yeah paper maybe. paper <laughs> <laughs> paper's better was it for yeah. maps no it was actually even i don't know less Papery. Apparently paper is just really good for a lot of specific things that you'd want in a war. It gets made into some very good things. And it's not it's not money. No, and it's not as this isn't especially relevant to what caused the counter process and things, but apparently paper is very good for things like shell containers and uh, mortar carriers and all sorts of stuff, just a necessary component for it. And you're absolutely right. There was masses of shortages in supplies, so they did a big old Give us your paper. Oh, and then, then the records were like, hang on, if we do that, there'll be no historical records from this time because everyone will have given them to be turned into things we blow up. That was exactly the problem. They started to worry that people would get a little bit too trigger happy with throwing out their documents. And there were some reports around the place that people were throwing out coroner records, that councils had gotten rid of their accounting books. Uh, There was a bunch of things. So they ended up having to give out leaflets saying, please watch out before you throw (laughs) it out. They handed out paper to stop people handing out, uh, throwing away paper. Yeah. Wow. They needed to make sure the people had more paper that they could throw away so they didn't throw out their important ones. Wow. Humans, eh? One final thing then. We have the question I asked right at the very start of the show. Thank you to Santiago for sending this in. What part of the human body doesn't actually exist? I hate this question in the best possible way. Like, thank you, Santiago. It's it's brilliant. Before I give the answer to the audience, does anyone want to take a quick pot shot at it? 
This is a dirty, dirty pun, isn't it? Is it like your soul or something? Oh, deep, deep. I mean, very, very deep and very philosophical. I went very deep. No, everyone here will, will refer to this part of their body. Like, everyone knows exactly what this is, and it doesn't really exist. It doesn't really exist in the sense that it couldn't be dissected. I still go with soul. <laughs> you can't dissect the soul. I mean, the windows to the soul, possibly. Your eyes? One part of them. Oh, sp- like the pupils because they're just holes? Exactly. Oh. The pupil of the eye does nothing. I, that's the, I thought that's the reaction I'd get right there. <laughs> that is our show. Thank you very much. Let's uh, ask the guests, what's going on with your lives? Where can people find you? What are you doing? We will start with Ruth. So you can find me over at Kids Invent Stuff. And we've spoken a lot about records, which is not actually like a set thing, but I have just guest curated an exhibition around invention at the National Archives. So before the end of October, you can actually visit the archives where all the records that didn't get burnt or given to the government when there was a paper shortage. (laughs) Sean. So yeah, you can um, you can check out the crazy things that we make designed by four to eleven year olds at youtube.com slash kids invent stuff. Um, and yeah, we have we have our own record of loads and loads of kids' ideas they've drawn and sent to us that we um, there's like our own like massive archive of kids' drawings, which we're very very uh, are very very precious to us. And Danny. So my husband Bill and I have a Twitch channel and one of the things that we have done on that is a mass playthrough of all of the ostensibly kids games, the Nancy Drew series, ostensibly, very ostensibly. So that's it. Play this game underscore live on Twitch. And if you want to know more about this show or send in your own listener question, you can do that at lateralcast.com. There are video highlights every week at youtube.com slash lateralcast and we are at lateralcast pretty much everywhere. With that, it is thank you and goodbye to Danny Siller. See ya. Ruth Amos. Nice to be here. And Sean Brown. Lovely to be here. I've been Tom Scott and that's been Lateral. <laughs>